This morning's scripture is from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. If you have your Bible with you wherever you are, feel free to open it to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, or if you prefer, just listen as I read. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of, in the body, each one of them, as God chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God. About 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul dealt with something that I'm guessing many of us can identify with today. While there is quite a bit that is not completely clear to us about this letter to the Corinthians, we do know that the church is hurting, divided, and in need of restoration through Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds them in verse 26 that as the body of Christ, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. But what does it mean to suffer with? What does it look like for the Placentia Presbyterian Church community to suffer with one another? No matter who you are and where you live, I think it's safe to assume that all of us have been impacted to some degree by the disruption and disorientation of this past year. And it extends back far beyond just a year, but the past almost 13 months have been quite devastating. The COVID-19 pandemic has completely upended the world as we once knew it. And through it, we have experienced so much loss on so many different levels. 
the very public murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor have exposed the magnitude of racial injustice that continues to exist and oppress people of color in the United States today, and the depth of the political division in this nation only grows more evident. For those of us who are part of the Placentia Presbyterian Church, we are experiencing another unexpected disruption to our church community. As you've heard, I'm sure by now, um, and many of you have received Pastor Tobin's letter that was sent last week, and hopefully you've had a chance to watch the video that he shared with us in PPC's weekly email newsletter. But for those who may not be aware, Tobin recently began a three-month sabbatical and last week, he announced that he has made the decision to retire early from pastoral ministry. He's making space to spend more time with his family and to allow PPC to regather after the restrictions of this pandemic have let up a bit with fresh new leadership, with vision, energy, and passion. As Matt just announced a few moments ago, there will be a special congregational meeting via Zoom on April 25th, and Tobin requests that the congregation please vote to dissolve the pastoral relationship between him and the Placentia Presbyterian Church. First, I want to acknowledge that this announcement may bring up a variety of feelings which could change day by day and maybe even hour by hour. And I know that it has for me. And that's okay, friends. Please allow yourselves to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. Take time to care for yourself. So in light of all that I just shared regarding the disruption and disorientation of this past year, including the sudden change that PPC is experiencing right now, I know that it can feel extremely uncomfortable to talk about difficult things such as these. As a church, we may be inclined to just focus on the positive and just press on. All too often, we tend to avoid sadness, discomfort, suffering, and we keep quiet about our own suffering, our own grief, our own depression, our own anxiety, our own loneliness, our own exhaustion. In fact, Sometimes we don't even acknowledge these things to ourselves. We want to just stay positive. And when others around us are hurting, how often do we re respond with the very good and loving intentions by saying something like, oh, don't worry, God's got this. And I'm not saying that that's not true. Yes, of course, God's got this. But we need to acknowledge our own very real and at times very big feelings. What we are going through right now globally is hard. What this nation is going through right now is hard. And what this community here is going through, through right now as a church is hard. We are the body of Christ. And as we read from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, when one part of the body hurts, every part hurts. And right now, our body is hurting. If we look back a bit in scripture to the words of Jesus in Matthew 22:37, we read that the first greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And in verse 39, we read that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
Up until recently, when reading this verse, I failed to see something that I recognize now to be so important. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. To me, this implies that in order to love our neighbor, we must also love ourselves. But what does this mean? What does it look like to love ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic, a nation erupting from the exposure of racism and extreme political division? What does it look like to love ourselves when our beloved pastor has left us? And yes, we are so thankful that Tobin and Sweet Dawn will have more time to spend with their family, but also we will miss them. One act of love, one way to care for ourselves in this time is to lament. In the book, How to Fight Racism, which as you know, the PPC congregation is reading together starting this week, Jamar Tisby writes, if you have not learned to lament, you have not learned to love. To love someone is to know and to be known. When we cry out to God, we are able to suffer what Father Richard Rohr calls the necessary pain in this world, the necessary sadness of being human. But sadly, lament is often missing from the narrative of the U.S. American church. Walter Brueggemann reminds us that about one-third of the psalms are actually psalms of lament, and yet these are the psalms used least in the church, perhaps because when reading or singing psalms of lament, we have no choice but to enter into the discomfort of suffering. And in doing so, according to Richard Rohr, we think they make us appear weak, helpless, and vulnerable, or show a lack of faith. So we quickly resort to praise and thanksgiving. In their book, Unsettling Truths, co-authors Sung Chan Ra and Mark Charles explain that lament serves as a crucial expression of worship because it is truth-telling before God. Lament recognizes that no matter what the circumstances, God is faithful and God delivers. We can rely upon God to be faithful to God's word. Without lament, human effort and human success emerge as the driving force in the activity of the church. And again, Father Richard Rohr tells us that our cries are not too much for God. God laments with us. In fact, God wants, wants us to come to the divine presence in our anger, in our fear, in our loneliness, in our hurt, and in our confusion. Since the moment I found out that I would have the opportunity to preach here today, so much has changed. In fact, what I had originally planned to talk about, I had to just take it and set it over here because um, it just didn't quite fit today. And in all honest, honesty, I've been really struggling this week with what to say. And next week as well, I'll be um, I'll be sharing part two of this message next week. This has not been easy. I've been a part of this church community for 45 years. I mean, along with my parents and my dad, who was the pastor here for years, you all pretty much raised me. And that is why it is so important to me that we as a church community allow ourselves to be vulnerable lament collectively and individually, 
because lament is an act of love. A few years ago, my family went through a very traumatic event, and some of you already know about this, and some of you haven't heard about this yet. On July 6th, 2014, my husband Len, our three children, who at the time were seven, eight, and 10 years old, and I thought it would be nice to spend the evening as a family watching surfers at the wedge in Newport Beach while the sun was setting. We had seen on the news that the waves were particularly large that afternoon, so we packed a quick dinner and headed to the beach for what we knew would be a beautiful Sunday evening as a family. When we arrived, we joined dozens of other people who had that same idea to watch the surfers navigate their way through the remarkably large waves. And without warning, our little family went from being huddled up together on the sand and eating our sandwiches to being completely overtaken by a rogue wave. In an instant, our children and I were underwater and the grip that Len and I had on them was no longer sufficient to hold them. They were pulled out of our arms by the force of this massive wall of salt water for what felt like an hour, but was actually probably more like a minute, I climbed out of the water and cried out, searching for our children, yelling their names. In that moment, I thought that they were all going to die. Len, who I'd been violently separated from by the wave, was doing the same thing. We thought that our children had swept out to the depths of the ocean. But what we soon realized was that the wave ended up pushing them back up onto the shore. Alana and Micah, our two oldest, climbed out of the water themselves, and Joshua, our youngest, was rescued by an off-duty lifeguard who just happened to be right there next to him. Once our family was reunited, we fell into a cold, wet pile on the sand and just wept in each other's arms thanking God that all of us had survived. With missing shoes and destroyed cell phones, we made our way home, only to find out that one lifeguard was killed that night while trying to rescue someone who had been swept up by that very wave, just a mile up the beach from where we were. When we got home, we realized that we needed to take time to heal from that trauma that we had just experienced together as a family. So we canceled our upcoming plans and we just cared for ourselves at home. We spent a lot of time just sitting together, thinking, sleeping when able, talking through our trauma and healing. We didn't rush the process, but rather we just took the time that we needed to lament. Yes, all of us wanted to get back to the way things were before, but they couldn't. If we had rushed past the period of lament, we wouldn't have been able to process the trauma that we had just experienced together. And then once we were ready, we took steps forward to experience joy together as a family. In fact, we decided to go to Universal Studios together and we had the best time. But because the process of lament isn't necessarily linear, we circled back to it in the weeks, months, and even years that followed. 
we paid attention to our suffering. The need to lament happens less and less now in response to this trauma of the rogue wave, but it still does show up here and there. And do you want to know what the beautiful thing is in all of this? Because of the time that we took to lament and spend time together as a family addressing our collective trauma, we've grown even closer to one another. And we have grown much closer to God. In fact, while we intentionally avoided going anywhere near that beach for quite some time after the wave, now we go to the beach to seek peace and to experience an even closer sense of the profound presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Friends, in light of all that we've been going through this past year, perhaps it would help for each of us to take time to lament and write our own psalm of lament. While we are each experiencing varying degrees of collective heaviness, disruption, and loss as a result of the pandemic alone, not to mention so many other things, and because each of us are unique, individual human beings, each of us are experiencing this in different ways. So I encourage you to take time this week to write a psalm of lament. To help you, you could use the following structure. Begin with an exclamation that things are not as they should be, followed by crying out to God for help. And finally, end with an expression of faith and hope that God is with us in our suffering and that our God is a God of restoration, a God who makes all things new. Let's take a look at these words from Psalm 22 as an example. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I do not find rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In our ancestors, in you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. On this first Sunday after Easter, as we allow ourselves to lament, let us remember that our hope is found in the risen Christ, the one who said to his disoriented, doubtful disciples, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. Loving God who sees, thank you for holding us as we lament. Our hope is in you. Amen. <laughs>